it's Carmen. Welcome to this special election edition of Off Air with Carmen. I'm really excited about this because we are giving you what you ask for. We had a little conversation on the morning cruise and Bill talked about giving us a biblical view of government, which sounded a little, you know, highbrow and kind of classroom. But I tell you what, you guys came out of the woodwork and texted us like crazy saying that you wanted this edition. And I have to give kudos to Bill before we even start because he really did knock this out of the park. So here's my conversation with my morning show partner, Bill Martin. Okay, well, welcome to this special edition, I guess I should say, special edition of Off Air with Carmen. This is the one that you asked for. And when I say you, Mm -hmm. I mean the listeners. We're sitting at my dining room table. It's the weekend before the election. Bill has made the trek up to my house along with two mics and a Zoom. And uh, here's the crazy thing, Bill. We had talked about, well, say hi to everybody. Well, hi. <laughs> yeah, this reason that this is a special edition is uh-huh. it was completely unplanned. Yes, totally unplanned. And I kind of asked Carmen on the show. Yeah. Thursday? Yeah. Would you, would you want to do one? Yeah, but to be fair to you. I really I, did not think you were going to say yes. And I'm not sure what, I mean, I may be in hot water here. Cause yeah, we may both be in hot water when we're done. But you know what? I loved what you pray. Well, let, let's back up and bring everyone in. Um, I release my podcast on Tuesdays for the most part. Every now and then we don't get them quite done and they, they come out on Wednesdays. But Tuesday's my day. And so several months ago, I was looking out to, you know, plan out the podcast and, you know, looking at election day and I was kicking back and forth. It's, it's like, well, what can I possibly release on election day that's going to cut through all the clutter, all the emotion, all of the news, all the politically charged, you know, atmosphere. And so you and I had just had a brief conversation and I said, I don't know, maybe we should record a podcast before the election, just to try to calm fears, point to Jesus, and record it before not knowing who's going to be our president mm-hmm. on November the 4th. Mm-hmm. And then life happens. I got COVID, you know, yada, yada, yada. And uh, it just kind of it kind of got away from us. Or yeah. We didn't come back and talk about it again. Right, and right. then you brought it up on the show. And here's what I was very <laughs> encouraged by is that I said, okay, I need people to text in if they want this material. Cause you said, let's have a biblical conversation about politics. What does the Bible say about politics? About government, about yeah. government. Right. And, um, they came out. Oh my word. I was going to give them like 30 minutes uh-huh. to vote on this. And Hitch came around the corner. Hitch is our producer for those of you who may not listen to the morning show. And he said, you don't need 30 minutes. You just needed a song. <laughs> so here we are. I know. Uh, delivering. By popular demand, we're yeah. here. And we just prayed a couple of minutes ago before we started this podcast. And I love, I loved what you prayed. You prayed, ultimately, this is not a political conversation. This is about being biblically faithful. Yeah. And I may not have the exact phrase, mm-hmm. but it's about our faith. Yeah. Um, I'm nervous. Are you? Yeah. My palms are a little sweaty because here's why. Um, and I think we can say this because this is off air and we wouldn't necessarily have this conversation on the air. Um, but we've gotten we've gotten we've gotten our hands slapped oh, yeah. <laughs> a few times yeah. in the last couple of months. And I will say more than a hand slap. That's being charitable. Right. But we 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 have a conversation. It's one conversation of anything about politics. And we try to be we try not to walk on, you know, intentionally on landmines. And then we get excoriated mm-hmm. from someone saying, you guys are such Democrats, blah, 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 blah. And then 
the out of the same break. Now keep in mind, it's the same break. This isn't two different breaks. Yeah. And then someone will write in just a flamer that says, y'all are such evangelical right, you know, Republicans. Republicans. Right. I cannot believe da 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 da. I mean, I could show I could show you the emails yeah. that came in off the same conversation. The same. It's so sensitive right now. I'm Which just, just gonna... tells you just really quickly how you hear things through the lens right. that you see things. It's so true. And I I'll just mention that we lost a couple of donors recently. Yeah, we have. Because I used the word democratic process right. in a spot that was running. Yep. And uh, if we don't, I mean, that's that's who we are as Americans. Yeah. We all share in a democratic process. It was not an endorsement for a party. It was just mentioning- The fact that we get to vote. Please vote. <laughs> Be involved in this, the political process, the yeah. democratic process. Yeah. So people are just highly sensitive right yeah. now. And so I got, I got here- Mm-hmm. Because this whole year has been, I don't know, you, somebody said the other day, 2020 is, I, I don't remember the, the phrase mm-hmm. that they use. It's just been weird. Mm-hmm. And 2020 has been a gut check for all of us. That's That was it. Yes. Yep. It has yep. been a gut check. And that happened starting in mid-March mm-hmm. with coronavirus. Yeah. Did I ever tell you what happened? I don't know. So um, first weekend of coronavirus, our church was n- not shut down. Okay. I remember hearing that Louis Giglio had shut down Passion City. I'm like, wow, that's surprising. This is a lot bigger of a deal than I thought it was going to be. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot to shut the doors of a church. Right. It's a lot. Yeah. Because we're we're told not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Mm -hmm. We're a congregating bunch. And so uh, Louis had done this and several other Christian leaders in my eyes are wide. We have church much, much smaller church, but we have our church set. Mm -hmm. And just so happens that our pastor and his family are in London. (laughs) They had planned this bucket list trip and they were in london and that sunday i was the fill-in preacher so as i'm telling the congregation because our our elders have made a decision that starting next week we're going to temporarily go to a remote only sure situation and i told the church this and there was a guy who'd been visiting for a few weeks who stood up and yelled from the back of the church while i'm standing up there making this announcement he goes this is not right. The leaders of this church have failed the kingdom of God, you know, mm-hmm. just pronouncing these judgments. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been around a while, so I've seen a few things like farmers, right? Yeah. And so it didn't rattle me, but I just said, sir, I said, why don't you sit down and listen to the message? Because it just so happened. God is so good that the sermon that I had prepared actually addressed this issue. Hmm. And I wanted him to hear and consider the word of God before he ran off in an emotional outburst. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of email exchanges later, but there was not going to be I do remember this. much of a conversation yeah. beyond that. But that was the, that was the introduction to mm-hmm. what's happening with the church in America right now. Yeah. And the second thing that happened was George Floyd. When was that? That was in May. And the reason I remember is it was right around mine and Pete's anniversary. So that sparked a nationwide conversation about race Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and about justice. Mm -hmm. So it got me thinking a lot, these two things about freedom Mm -hmm. and what is the nature of freedom and what is the nature of justice? How do we, how do we look at these things? And I want to ask big questions because people sometimes respond and react quickly. Yeah. For example, a lot of people jumped on with the coronavirus shutdowns. 
Romans 13, and they read the first verse only. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Done. That's all that they would say. So if the government says, close the church, we have to close the church. Mm -hmm. Um, That's as far as their reasoning went. On the other side of that coin, Mm -hmm. people were responding against this and saying, we have a First Amendment right to gather. So Christians now are not responding with the reasoned argument from the word of God. Instead, they're responding emotionally, citing our Bill of Rights Mm -hmm. as their reason to act. Mm. And so this is now sparking conflict within the church. And then we have masks or no masks and this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And on the issue of justice, we had something similar going on. You, by the way, when you said this in the studio one day, because I know what you're about to say, I... I'm still trying to answer that question because when you ask it, and I don't want to take your what you're going to say, but you ask what does what does true biblical justice look like? Yes. What does it look like? Yeah. And I have never pondered that question, and to be honest with you, I'm still pondering it. Yeah. From so am I. <laughs> May until now, what does? Right. Because here's the thing: look at the cross, and I don't want to jump ahead, but we think we know what justice looks like. But man, God's kingdom is turned upside down and what we think is justice and what God may call justice. Like, I don't know. We're, we're, we're just here today to wrestle with these questions. Right, right. Um, I don't have so, any particular expertise in yeah. these areas either. I'm not yeah. a political scientist. I don't, you know, I'm not a, even a civics teacher, but mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Christian who is, who is thinking about these things and yeah. wrestling with them. Yeah. And when we, when we started talking about justice, this is what I noticed mm-hmm. is that on one side, mm-hmm people were basically calling for what's called retributive justice, mm. which is essentially punishment. Mm-hmm. And look, looking, it, it spilled over into vengeance mm. as, a, as a response to the racial injustice that we all acknowledge that the, the, the whole conversation that opened up around the yeah, death of George Floyd and then subsequent yeah, there's not one, tragic yeah. episodes and deaths. And sure. on the other side, you had people saying, um, no, here's the issue of justice. We have good laws. Mm-hmm. End of sentence. Mm-hmm. And so you've got what is devolving to vengeance on one side, and you've got a kind of uh, status quo. We have good laws. That should be enough on the other side. Mm-hmm. I'm like, neither of these are going the right direction here. Yeah, yeah. So I began to dig into justice a little bit. Mm-hmm. Classically, justice is the simple is, is a kind of a simple concept. It's deceptively simple because justice just means that everybody gets their due, mm-hmm. right? Mm. It's a kind of fairness, if you will, classically in the classical tradition. But how you get your due in classical Western thoughts about justice is through government. Mm. Now, from the biblical standpoint, justice is a little different. Justice biblically, as far as I can see, is pretty much equated with righteousness. Mm. What is what is right? And this happens not only on the government level. This happens personally. Mm-hmm. This happens in society in families, in government, in institutions, and now I'm going to use a big word, mm-hmm. it happens eschatologically, and which so, means yeah, tell everybody. the movement of God in history all the way up towards the ultimate goal. Being with him. Right. So there's a sense in which ultimate justice has to wait mm. for the kingdom of God in its full manifestation at the end of history. Meaning he is the, I'm putting it in Carmen terms, at, we won't ever have full justice until the ancient of days comes back and is seated on the throne yeah yeah okay. well he is seated on the throne now, now but, I, but but he's back with us right. and 
Right. Now, that does not mean we don't work for justice. Sure. It, we're in a sure. period of sort of what's called the already mm-hmm. and the not and yet. And the not yet. And the, you know, I had to chuckle a minute ago silently. Yeah. Because you did steal my punchline. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm glad you did because this is this is so rewarding to see the way that you think because you ran immediately to the cross. Yeah. And that is where we must run with justice because mm-hmm. at the cross, ultimate justice was done. And on the basis of the cross, Christians are to work for justice in society, but mm-hmm. we can't lose the gospel and the cross on the way to that justice. Mm. And that, okay. And that's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. And it's, which we're not going to, we had this on the last podcast that you and I talked about, but it, it takes me back to Beth Moore. We're setting aside the gospel in mm-hmm. order to be more like Jesus. Yeah. And so you can even say that with justice, we're going to set aside the gospel so we can try to work towards justice right. and, and you if, just can't separate it. If you're just running toward a kind of retributive justice, or if you're just saying, Hey, status quo laws are on the books, everything's good. You're not working towards that gospel justice. So what is God calling me to do? Mm-hmm. I don't want to, anything I say today to come across like it's coming from a high tower, right? Yeah. I'm wrestling with these. What is God calling me to do? What does that look like in my life? Yeah. And I want to punch in here and say, and I was going to say this at the beginning, but if you're listening, I would just please ask as a sister in Christ to the listener, um, we're wrestling this stuff out too. We are wrestling these things out. And if we say things that step on your toes or make you bristle. Um, there's been a lot of things that have been said this last year that have made me bristle. But the one thing that I do feel like I have done, praise the Lord, I do a lot of things wrong. But one thing that I do feel like I've done well this year is I have um, stopped talking. <laughs> I've taken some time to think and to ponder when something is said that I don't like, I take it to the Lord and I say, do I not like this because it's true? Or do I not like this because it's false? And uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. 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 Or yeah. uncomfortable. Or uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, do, <laughs> right. do I not like it because I'm convicted? Yeah. Or do I not like it because it's just wrong and doesn't point towards the gospel? I see. Yeah. So I'm just asking everyone to do that as well. Bill and I are having this conversation just to wrestle these things out with you. We are very, you know, we're not going to push any political side here. Mm-hmm. We do have uh, strong convictions. Mm-hmm. We have both voted. We've done the best that we could. Um, but right now, we just really want to be faithful to the scriptures. Yeah. And if there's any takeaway from what we've already said, it's it's just this. Politics is not going to solve this problem. No, it's not. Politics is incapable of solving the problem of the racial tensions in our country. Mm-hmm. We have to have something more than that. We have to have the cross. Amen. Jesus we have Christ, to have the yeah. gospel yeah. to do that work. And the church can be the leader in this if we if we listen well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've been trying to listen to voices yeah. that we've not heard before. Sure. And yeah. I've been checking my own worldview at mm-hmm. the door, and I've been listening to voices that are saying, "You don't know the experience of mm-hmm. your brothers and sisters, black brothers and sisters. You as a white male don't fully understand." And I want to enter that experience, but we then we both have to run towards the gospel Cross together. together yeah. We can't run towards uh, theories and principles that pull us away from the biblical uh, uh, cross and Mm -hmm. and the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, And that's where we that's where we haven't we haven't been able to have this conversation, I think, in a, in a deep and full enough way yet, even within the church mm-hmm. to see real progress begin to happen. 
But if we will, well, so that's part of the reason I okay. want to have this conversation. All right, so let's, let's, let's keep talking. Keep right. teaching us. Okay. So let's talk about government for okay, just a few government. minutes here. Now I tried to distill this down <laughs> and I've given Carmen an outline. Listen, y'all, if you could see this right now, well, first of all, we're sitting at my dining room table. Um, Abby has just made us pumpkin muffins. Uh, which we're going to have in a few minutes. So if you hear something beep in the background, it's this is an incentive for me to get get to it quick. (laughs) Uh, But if you I am looking down at three pages, single space, three pages of notes. Mm -hmm. So class has commenced. (laughs) So, okay. So biblically, what, what, what's, what is, what is government? So uh, to govern actually literally means to steer. So if you're a pilot of a ship, you're steering towards some goal and we ultimately have a, a pilot who's going to steer us toward the ultimate goal where freedom and justice and everything are going to be perfect. And that is God. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're going to start talking about government. But I've got eight principles biblically from government. Okay. Now these her eyes be... just rolled. <laughs> these will be in the show notes. We got to do a handout. We will. Okay. We will. You, you all have my notes. Okay. Um, but let me just try to, this okay. really doesn't have to be super, super drawn out. Yeah. No, I love it. Some of them are pretty straightforward. Like, I love like it. you start talking about government by acknowledging that God governs everything. He does. Uh, and I've got scriptures for all of these, all these ideas and all these principles. So Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, behold to the Lord, your God belong heavens and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. And mm. then Psalm 24, one echoes that the, mm-hmm. the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. And that is just saying that God is sovereign. Now think about the way this worked in the garden of Eden. So God plants a garden, puts a man and woman in perfect paradise. Where was government in that garden of Eden? Mm. God didn't need to institute a state. There didn't need to be a court or a judge there. You say, well, of course not. There are only two people, but it's not the fact that there are two people. It's the fact that there were, there was perfect righteousness. Mm -hmm. There was perfect justice to the extent that there was perfect vulnerability and the man and woman were naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. So they could be completely vulnerable Mm -hmm. with complete open knowledge and have no need for any kind of oversight except God himself. Mm -hmm. And then the fall happens. Mm -hmm. And what happens after the fall? That's the next point. God institutes the state hmm. after the fall. So you don't think about it there in the garden. Yeah. Wow. Now, when the fall happened initially, mm-hmm. um, God put an angel to guard the way back to the tree of life. And some might say that's the beginnings of government. But honestly, that's just that's God. That's not the state. Here's mm-hmm. the difference. Okay. In Genesis chapter nine. Now, by, by the time you go from Genesis three to Genesis nine, a lot of stuff has happened in the Bible. And one of the things that happens is that there's a, a, a civilization growing that's self-governing. There's no system of government. They're just kind of growing and figuring it out. And they're becoming more wicked and more wicked and more evil and more evil until there's no possibility of redemption for this, this civilization. Mm-hmm. And so God judges Mm. and brings a flood Mm -hmm. and brings Noah and his family through the flood. And after the flood, he institutes this principle right here. It's a principle called (laughs) lex talionis. That's a Latin way Mm -hmm. of talking about the law of uh, what we sometimes call an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That seems so barbaric to us. We right. think, oh, there's, but honestly, in ancient culture, it's not. It's saying justice, punishment has to fit the crime. Mm. And it's in the context here of taking life. So it says, for your lifeblood, in Genesis 9, 5, and 6, I'll require a reckoning. 
From every beast, I'll require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I'll require a reckoning for the life of man. In other words, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Mm. For God made man in his own image. Mm. So you get the, the rule here, and you get the, the principle behind the rule. Because human beings are made in the image of God, we don't have the right to take each other's lives. Mm. And if a life is taken and the image of God is destroyed by another image bearer, then it's up to those other image bearers to try and judge and punish mm. for that. That's the beginnings of state. Okay. So the state, so government has its origins right here. We have human beings being given power to rule over other human beings. Now let's dig a little further. Okay. Third principle, human government or civil government or the state has two purposes. And this is really important. The primary pur- purpose of government is to restrain evil. Mm-hmm. And the secondary purpose is to promote good. Hmm. This is pretty self-evident. I mean, you look at the book of Judges. You've read that fairly recently, right? Yes, yep. It's not a happy book to read. Mm -mm. And here's the phrase that keeps repeating. There was no king in the land. Mm -hmm. And every man did what was right in In his his own own eyes. eyes. Yep. And so what happens when you have that? By the way, some of the moral drift in American culture is drifting toward this norm. That's right. That's right. That's, that is, well, this is my truth. Everybody defines yeah. their own reality. That's right. Everybody defines their own if truth. It feels right to me. It's my truth. And I'm, I'm walking this out. If you read the book of Judges, that doesn't turn out well. It, it winds up in Judges chapter 19 with one of, the, one of the most offensive and shocking stories in the entire Bible, where a Levite, a man of God, has mm. a concubine mm. who gets gang raped. He mm. cuts her into 12 pieces mm. and sends her to the tribes of Israel mm. to say, look what you did. Mm. We need to get together and figure this out. Mm. And this is a government that has gone wrong. This is this is part of the, the 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 failure of government. The government is not restraining evil, and this is building a case biblically for the king, for a righteous king like Jesus, like like God wanted, yeah. and, and David would be the ultimate okay. for that king, and then David w- would be replaced by a greater David who oh, okay. is Jesus, Jesus ultimately. Okay, so we're staying in the Old Testament. So the primary purpose <laughs> of this is to restrain evil. Government's yeah. job, and when it doesn't do its job, society falls apart. And then secondly. Promoting good is part of the the work of, of and government. And would that be would um, in your view would protection government? And I know you're looking biblically, but would promoting good protection would fall under Absolutely. that protection of the citizens? Protection of the citizens, yeah. pr- providing to a certain degree, yeah, education mm-hmm. and these mm-hmm. kinds of things. Sure. These are these are the legitimate functions of government. Okay. And and this was this is part of the. The debate that went on with coronavirus. Hmm. The state does have an interest in protecting the health of its citizens. Mm-hmm. Now we can argue about how that should be done. And I will tell you that I, you know, if we get to it, I think that, you know, I'm just going to tip my hand here. In some mm-hmm. cases, the state is trying to overreach this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Christians who deny that the state has any right mm-hmm. to say anything about this That's, are going too far. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it, isn't, it how, isn't it funny how the truth always land somewhere in the magic middle, but it's the extremes on either side in whatever thing we're talking about that A, are the loudest voices, and B, are the ones that 
are fighting so much to where the ones in the middle that are sensible. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's most people, it, I think. It, it, I think so too. Mm-hmm. I think most people are in, in the, in the middle, but it's, but, but culture is being shaped by the extreme. So true. And that's what's so disheartening and so discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the next principle is this, because government is ordained by God. Mm-hmm. I hope that's been clear so far. Yeah. Because of that, Christians are to submit to civil authorities. Yeah. So when people quoted Romans 13, one out of context mm-hmm. and just said, well, the Bible says every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. Well, there's more to it than that. Hmm. Let's read on. Okay. For there's no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. This is an important verse mm-hmm. here, verse three. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad conduct. In other words, mm. this is the job of restraining evil. Mm-hmm. You should be terrified if you want to be an evil person in our society because we have a good government that's going to catch you, try you, prosecute you, and punish you. Okay. Would you have no fear, the verse, the verse goes on, of the one who is in authority? Then do what's good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. There's that other purpose of government. Hmm to promote good and mm-hmm. government in order to do this, please hear this has to be the servant of the people. The people are not the servants of government of the state. That's not biblical government at all. Say it again. Government is the servant of the people, right? When people are servants of the state, that's called totalitarianism. Yeah. And it's not good it's government. Top down. Right. So this goes on. Um, and I'll, I'll skip some of this just for, for time's sake, but it actually ends in verse seven, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So this passage is not just about submitting to mm-hmm. authority. Mm-hmm. It's also about the purpose of government. Government should have such a um, spirit of, of, of doing the right thing mm-hmm. that it's that the people who are serving in government are due respect and, and honor and submission, quite frankly. But there's a requirement for that. And what happens sometimes is that, you know, Christians sometimes will take a good thing mm-hmm. and make it an ultimate thing. Okay. And this happens with regard to government too. Mm. We take something good mm-hmm. and not just Christians, but humans yeah, yeah. <laughs> will take a good thing and turn it into an ultimate thing. And mm. so this is where we need to remember government is not ultimate. Mm. Not until we get to Christ and the, the realized kingdom of God visibly manifest in history, at the end of history. Yeah. Right? So, next principle. How are we doing so far? I love it. Okay. I, this is fabulous. And I have heard you say this. As this far next as, one? Uh, well, yes, this next one. But just we take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing. Right. We've had this conversation before. And I'm. that's why I went, oh, because this is going to be a good one. Yeah. It's, well, here's the way not to do that. Remember yeah. that Christians are citizens of two kingdoms. Yeah. So um, Matthew 22 said, said this, I love this passage, mm-hmm. uh, because Pharisees come to Jesus and they're trying to trap him. Mm-hmm. So this is not a sincere question. And they ask Jesus, because he's so popular, and they want to trip him up. Sure. And they say, hey, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You probably heard a sermon on this before. Mm-hmm. You know that it was very unpopular for him to say yes, oh mm-hmm. yes, because n- nobody wanted to pay the the kind of taxes the Roman government was extorting from the people. Yeah. And Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? <laughs> he just, <laughs> calls sometimes it. he just calls, he calls it. it. Yeah. But he didn't stop there. And then Jesus said, hey, uh, 
give me a coin. Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, well, Caesar's. And then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And now this is the verse that stopped me, and I really dug into this text earlier this year. Mm-hmm. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, you know, that's a pretty good answer you gave there, Jesus, but <laughs> you sent them away scratching their heads. What, what am I not seeing here yeah. that makes that answer so good? Well, what's so good is that they did not know how to put together the sovereignty of God with civil government. They couldn't do it because they had in their minds only room for one uh, kind of authority. They couldn't be citizens of two Two kingdoms. kingdoms. And they weren't aware that while they were talking about whose image is on the coin, Mm -hmm. Caesar's, so give it to Caesar, pay your taxes. They're looking at the one whom the book of Hebrews says is stamped in God's image. Mm. They're looking at the one who's the perfect image of God. Mm-hmm. What belongs to God? Mm-hmm. Everything, including Caesar. So it's not equal kingdoms here. Yeah, It's not like you've got two that are identical here. Yes, give to Caesar what's Caesar, but remember this, everything belongs to God. Going back to our first principle. That's right. Okay, so we're citizens of two kingdoms, not equally, but here's the next principle. The power of the kingdom of God must never be confused with the power of the state on either end. Now, you say that sounds a little bit like separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. Not quite. It's mm-hmm. not quite that. Something of this is involved. This idea of two kingdoms was first teased out by St. Augustine in the 400s in the city of God, the late 300s, early 400s. I don't remember when he wrote that, but then Martin Luther teased this out at the Reformation as well, this idea of two kingdoms and different uh, groups of Christians sort of parse that out in different ways. But here's the thing that I think we can all agree on biblically. The power of the kingdom of God must never be conflated with the power of the state. So here's what I mean by that. Jesus answered Pilate when he was on, the, on trial, and the state was about to sentence him to death and execute him. He said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. Now, if, as you listen to this podcast, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, I want you to hear what Jesus just said. He said, If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Are you fighting other Christians? Mm. Are you fighting on Facebook? Are you fighting people in your church over masks or no masks? Mm. Are you fighting over Trump or Biden? Mm. Stop it. Mm -hmm. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Mm. And he rebuked his disciples when they tried to take that power and they conflated the power of the state with the power of the kingdom. Jesus in Mark chapter 10 called uh, James and John over to him because they were saying, Hey, we're digging this power. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. want to sit at your right hand at your left. When yes. you get into your kingdom, which they assume would be a kind of a political kingdom, yeah. um, you know, strictly political, strictly right. this worldly. He's, they said, we want to sit on your right and your sit. left. Yeah. And he said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first must be slave of all. That's the kingdom of God. Mm. And it works very differently than the kingdom of this world. And so we have to keep those two separate. Now, this is why, for the next principle, Mm -hmm. when government power exceeds its purposes, it is the duty of Christians to resist. Mm. 
This is true. I mean, I don't really have to do much other than make a few references, and you'll see this is a biblical principle. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew midwives, when Moses was born and Pharaoh said, kill all the babies. Yeah. And the Hebrew midwives devised a way to not obey that yeah. law. And yeah. it saved Moses' life. That's right. Who, who went on to become the deliverer mm-hmm. of, of God's people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel 3.18. Mm-hmm. The Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, one of Carmen's favorite yes. passages in the whole Bible. And the, they did not, or they, they, they came, <laughs> I mean, I just messed it up. And they did not even smell smoke whole other story for another time before that when they were getting threatened Threatened, okay here here's the scenario in a nutshell nebuchadnezzar has an image built to him so this is the state becoming god right yeah and that you're supposed to worship the state the state and you're supposed to worship the image of nebuchadnezzar and the hebrew children shadrach meshach and abednego said we cannot do this bow down and they said no right and then what you read it daniel 318 you got it let me get my glasses on hold on Where is it? Daniel, uh, Daniel 3. 18. Um, but if not, be it. Oh, 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 oh. They, first of all, they said, no, we're not going to do this, yeah. O king. And our God will deliver us. Yes. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Mm. That's powerful, right? It is so powerful. They were miraculously delivered. They were. In the early church, many Christians took a similar stand and were martyred. They were martyred for their faith. But I don't know if you know the martyr stories. Sometime go read read some of those, but it's amazing. They had the reputation of women and children being put to the cruelest deaths mm. by the Roman government, yeah. singing hymns and praising Jesus all oh, the way. way. When burly criminals would scream and wail like babies and go crazy at the same tortures, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. women and children were singing Singing. with joy Mm -hmm. that's the power of jesus and the gospel in someone's life so you know they charged uh um, the disciples not to teach in the name of jesus in acts chapter 5 and peter and the apostles said we have to obey god rather than men so he he's there are times when christians have a duty to resist government when it when it becomes ultimate or tries Mm -hmm. to play god Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's the next principle we're almost, we're almost done with these principles. No, these are great. Oh my gosh, this is so good. State power is not absolute. Mm-hmm. Good government is limited government because, number one, ultimate state power is the ultimate enemy of Jesus and the church. Mm-hmm. And I mean that very literally. It's mm-hmm. the ultimate enemy. So throughout the Bible, you have from the Tower of Babel to the book of Daniel to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you have this portrayed in various ways. One of the ways it's portrayed in Daniel and Revelation is with the image of beasts. And in those books, beasts picture political rulers who try to be play God and they persecute God's people. And so I'm going to read a really interesting verse here. Revelation 13, verses 17 and 18. This is the situation that a, like Rome under Nero, mm-hmm. had set up. No one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That mm-hmm. is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, Mm -hmm. and his number is 666. And all of us Baptists are falling out right now. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's palms just got sweaty as she's listening to this. I mean, I may not convince you in in two sentences here, but 666, everybody who would have read this in the first audience of this book would have yeah. understood what that meant. Okay. It's Nero. Okay. It's the emperor 
Nero, who is playing God, and his it's a uh, there's a, a Hebrew uh, technique called gematria mm-hmm. that uses numbers with names, okay. specifically in a, in a in a scientific way. This is not numerology. Mm-hmm. This is not puzzles. You got to go figure out. Yeah. In Matthew's gospel, mm-hmm. we have 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations. Why? We know there were more generations, but in that genealogy, David's number mm-hmm. with Gematria is 14. Got it. So Matthew's making the point that Jesus is the greater David. Okay. So he uses Gematria to make that point. John's doing the same thing in this gospel. We're here. just going to trust you that. All that's true. Yes, Professor Martin. (laughs) So I I know what you're saying. I really do. Many biblical scholars will say this. There are different ways of understanding a lot of the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to push one or the other here. But but the point of it is this is absolutism in government. Right. When the state becomes ultimate, it becomes the beast of Revelation. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a reason that the state cannot be allowed to be ultimate. But here's the thing you've got to hear today. This Mm -hmm. doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and everything is, you know, all boom, left behind. It's, right. you, you, it's It happens gradually mm-hmm. as corruption comes in. And here's the thing. The more that government tries to make you, it's dependent. Right. Especially by competing for your affection and loyalty. Mm. The more the government pits itself over your family, mm. over the church and other God-ordained institutions, totalitarianism mm-hmm. of the left or the right mm-hmm. starts the same way. It's called mm. statism. Mm. When the state encroaches upon other institutions that God ordained mm. and tries to take those functions or privileges or loyalty or affections away from us, mm. we have to resist that. Mm. Okay. There's more to that, but we'll leave it at that. The second sub point here is that human magistrates are sinners and that's why government can't be ultimate. And I just have to quote Alexander Hamilton here, <laughs> Carmen's favorite. Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Father. Hamilton. So Federalist 51 says <laughs> yeah. this, what is government itself? But the greatest of all reflections on human nature. If men were angels, no government would be necessary. That's right. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. In framing a government, which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed. And in the next place, oblige it to control itself. Limited government is a biblical category Mm. and the framers of our founding documents understood these things Mm. and they thought about these things. Mm. You know, we have to be careful not to conflate our Americanism with our Christianity. Mm -hmm. I am a Christ follower. He is my king. I don't look for a political Messiah. No matter who wins today, I'm not looking for that person to be my Messiah, Mm -mm. to fix all my problems, Mm -mm. to meet all my needs, and to right all my wrongs. And if you are, you're being subject to the power of the beast encroaching on your calling to be Mm -hmm. a faithful Christian. Mm -hmm. Say that. I mean, I know what you're saying, but let's say it in another, another way. If the government becomes your ultimate and you're looking to it as it's becoming your God, it's almost becoming an idol to you and you're putting your faith and trust in government and not ultimately in in Jesus. Right. So and, I just and don't it, want people to get tripped up on the beast. Right. Thing. It'll it'll take over. It will take it'll over. It'll take over. Yeah. And that and, and yeah. that's not I mean we're we're not we don't want any of that, right? Right. Because right. that's where it ultimately the reason I mentioned the beast, that's mm-hmm. where it ultimately goes, it goes. Yeah. In the book of Revelation. But yeah. then Jesus comes back and we're gonna end there. Right. But before we get there, yeah. let's summarize. Okay. Human government is ordained by God, Mm -hmm. 
derived from God's authority, mm-hmm. limited mm-hmm. under God's sovereignty, never to be ultimate, mm-hmm. designed to restrain evil and promote good, mm-hmm. and distinguished from the kingdom of God. Mm. So that's in a nutshell, as best I can do it, a biblical view of government. Now I've got three little okay. footnotes here. I love it. Three things. I love it. This is so good, Bill. One is that government can't can't redress all wrongs and achieve perfect justice. We've already talked about that. Yeah. Number two, ultimately, the kingdoms of this world all belong to Christ, the mm-hmm. King of Kings. Mm-hmm. At the name of Jesus, Philippians says, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Mm-hmm. That's all powers and everything and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate mm-hmm. in government. That's mm-hmm. where we're headed. And Revelation 21 paints a picture of that that ultimate government of Christ as King of Kings. Here's here's what it says regarding the nations. This is not just for Christians and church people. This is for the whole world. Mm-hmm. There's a city that's coming from heaven at the end. It's mm-hmm. called the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And in Revelation 21, it's basically what's, it's what's ahead for this world. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. We don't go floating off in a cloud somewhere. He's setting up his perfect government in a renewed earth. Mm. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb and by its light will the nations walk and the kings of their earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day. Why? Because you don't need to protect against any evil. Yeah. And there will be no night there. Yeah. So you don't have anything to fear. Mm -hmm. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. nations. Yeah. No nation is ultimate. Mm -hmm. No nation is permanent. Mm. The only nation that's ultimate and permanent is the nation that's governed by Christ, the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, all the kingdoms of this world belong to our king, Jesus. And then finally, and this is where I want to sort of end here, Mm -hmm. our political struggle is and must be fought in the theater of spiritual war. It's true. This one we got to take to heart. We do. Because I think many of us who care about some of these things, some, you know, I don't know how this is landing with you as you listen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but some things probably have caused people to bristle Mm -hmm. and some things probably have caused people to shout amen Amen. in their car. Yeah. We Mm -hmm. don't want the institutions that God set up to be overcome by an encroaching government. But the way we're fighting these battles, I think needs to be really wrestled with and changed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because so many times we're trying to fight these political battles politically. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and it's I'm not saying Christians have no place in politics. We, I, th- I think you can make a biblical case that we're called to be involved in government. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But our weapons are not carnal mm-hmm. as second Corinthians 10 says. And Ephesians six twelve says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities. Those are in the Greek language in which this was written, everybody would have recognized those as, as as political words. It's almost like saying against the presidents, against the congressmen and women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's almost like that mm-hmm. in the original language ring. And then he goes on and says against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, what's the point here? It's not that we fight against our you know, our Congress people and presidents, but it is those categories that Paul is talking about here. It's a spiritual war, but it involves a political dimension. Mm -hmm. 
That's what we need to see. And so if we want to fight political battles, Mm -hmm. we have to do it starting on our knees. Knees. Living by proclaiming, Mm -hmm. letting the word of God shape our lives, repenting where we need to repent, letting the gospel be our guide, no matter what kind of theory we we, uh, gravitate towards to answer the big questions about freedom and justice in our society today. Mm -hmm. We have to be guided by the gospel and the word of God. So mm. I hope that's really <laughs> this is helpful stuff. It's it is it's it's awesome. I mean it's it's fantastic, and we're gonna put this in the in the show notes, and you're going to see when you see the show notes that literally yes you had eight points, mm-hmm. but under every point is two to three four scriptures. So you basically it's just scripture after scripture after scripture, um, and I just I just want to say again I just feel like I need to reiterate this. Because I know that there are people listening, and again, people who are locked and loaded in a political party, you're, there's a tendency, myself included, to hear even scripture through my political, you know, leanings. And I just want to, I just want to say to everybody, if Jesus walked in, Bill and I have mentioned are sitting at my dining room table. If if Jesus walked in my front door right now and sat down at this table, mm-hmm. he would say things that would mess us up in the political sphere. Mm-hmm. And if we say, okay, we voted red today, he would say, okay, well, what, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And then if we said, no, we voted blue today, mm-hmm. he would say things to mess us yeah. up. So I just really want to encourage. We, I like the way my pastor says yeah. it. He, he uses the Stepford wives yeah. where these guys had independent uh-huh. <laughs> women for wives. And yes, so they, yeah. the guy created a robot to do yeah. everything he wanted her to do. Yeah. And the other guys thought this is great. And then they found out it wasn't great. Yeah. And we, we do this. And this is, a I think, Tim Keller is the guy who said this. Yeah. We, we want to step for God. We do. We want a God who affirms all of our convictions. That's right. Who agrees with all of our beliefs. Yeah. Who votes the same way we yeah. do. Who cares about all the same things and thinks about them the same way we do. But that's yeah. no God at all. That's yeah. an idol. That's an idol. That's we don't right. want that God. Yeah. We want the God who will challenge us and change us into the image of Christ, even politically speaking. And was it Scott Sauls who said, um, if you're truly following Christ in this political season, your conservative friends are going to think you're too liberal and your liberal friends are going to think you're too conservative? Yeah. And in some ways, I kind of feel like, you know, I've landed there, but... I don't think we're arguing here for a, a, a neutered neutral, right? Right. What we're arguing for is the way we hold our political beliefs yes. has to be done under the lordship of Christ over yeah. all of life. Yeah. That's what we're saying. And if it is under the lordship of Christ, it's not going to look just like your favorite talk radio personality or your mm-hmm. favorite television personality on mm-hmm. Fox or MSNBC. You're going to have to think a little bit more in line with what the scriptures call us to do and Mm -hmm. be so that government can get back to what it's supposed to be doing, protecting us from evil and encouraging the good. And only Mm -hmm. if the body of Christ does what the church is supposed to do in this hour, will we be able to be a redeeming agent for this moment Mm -hmm. in our land. That's, Mm. that's the bottom line conviction. And our prayer is that the Lord just finds us faithful. Yes. He just finds us faithful. Man, I hope you guys got a lot out of that. And again, just huge thanks to to Bill for doing the homework. We're going to have all of those notes in the show notes. So if you want to refer back to some of the scripture, it will be there for you. And I just want to remind us before we wrap today that the hard things that are happening in our world are spiritual. We see the fruit 
of what's happening, but we really have to attack the root. And that's what Christians do. That's what the church does. Our pastor, Pastor Aaron, did a fabulous sermon this past Sunday, and he just really reminded us culture is not going to teach us our morality or even a biblical view of government. But God gives us the answer and the person of Jesus. The church is God's answer to the world's problems, ultimately, and not the government. That's not to say we don't participate in the process and pray and do the best that we can. But ultimately, God is the answer to our problems that we see in this world. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week back here for another episode. Make sure you subscribe. And I'd love for you to give my morning show partner, Bill, a five-star review on this particular episode because he really did do a fantastic job. See you next week.